Amen. Thank the Lord. How to get the job done. What a strange title for a sermon, right? How to get the job done. Well, there's a job that we've been assigned as Christians. And uh, we're going to talk about that today. There's a job that we have as a church in this community. There's a reason that the Lord has called us and saved us. You may have noticed the song. Every time I sing that, there's a little bit of, of, of something in me that kind of resents the lyric to that song. That I, a child of hell, should in his image shine. But you know, when you think about it, that's what we were before we converted, right? Before we were saved, that was our destination. But because of the amazing grace of the Lord and the blood of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, well, we're not a child of hell anymore. We're heaven bound and on our way to be with the Lord. So what a, what a wonderful thing that is. I would like for you to read with me once again our vision statement as a church. We're going to, um, I'm not sure that this is the last Sunday. We've been for four Sundays. Uh, trying to e- explore and understand our vision statement. That is to understand what it is that God has put us here for, what he requires of us, what he wants from us, and what we should be busy doing in our daily lives. So if you would, read it aloud with me, would you? Our vision statement. To be a hospital to the hurting and the lost. To provide education concerning God and His Word. To love God and love people. And to accomplish this through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when you look at those words that are highlighted, hospital education, love and power, uh, kind of summarizing those four elements of our vision, what does this spell? Help. This church is here to be a help to people. This is not a holy club. We do not exist for ourselves. We exist uh, to give glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, to worship God, and to reach out and share the gospel and the good news of Jesus with a world that is lost and where there are many people who could be described, like that song says, as a child of hell. In this church, we believe the Bible. Amen? We believe there is a heaven. We also believe there is a hell and it is our responsibility to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with the people in our community. So today we've talked about the first three and today we're going to be, although it will be encompassing all the other things and we'll mention those, our subject today actually is how we're going to do this, how we're going to fulfill the vision. The first part of the vision is the great commission That is the sharing of the gospel to the lost and to to teach and make disciples of all nations. The second part of that is uh, education. Of course, those things make up the Great Commission, as we'll see in a few moments. And then to love God and love people is the Great Commandment. So in our vision statement, we've got the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And then how are we going to fulfill this gigantic task? That the Lord has put in our arms and our hands. How are we going to accomplish this? We're going to have to do it through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I'm going to show you today how it is absolutely impossible for us to accomplish this without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
The Bible declares that. And we're going to see that very plainly as we work our way through Scripture today. I'm going to ask you today to... I, most of you know, I usually put the scriptures up on the screen for you to read them and you won't have to turn, but today I'm not doing that. That's going to stay on the screen for the duration of the sermon today. And I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles first with me to the, um, gospel of Mark. And then we're going to back up and go to Luke. There's a reason I'm not taking them in order. I have a reason for doing that. In Mark 16, beginning at verse 15, we read what we have come to know as the Great Commission. These are the words of Jesus as recorded in Mark 16, beginning at verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So we see the words of our Lord. We, we quote this often. Most all who have Most of us who are here, I think, could quote that verse. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If I were to ask you what that verse is, just about everybody, without exception, would say, well, I know what that is. That's the Great Commission. And you'd be correct. Well, partially. Because it's part of the Great Commission. The other gospel writers also talk about the Great Commission and maybe give a little bit more detail, put a little bit more meat on it and help us understand what is expected of us. Yes, we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But as we turn now back to Matthew 28, it is recorded in the gospel of Matthew this way. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. Where the scripture says there, all in the words of Jesus, he's speaking, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I've shared with you that the word authority and the word power are synonymous in in this particular instance. That's what authority means. If you have authority, you have power. And so Jesus says, all authority and all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's a massive statement, a huge statement. And then he says, go therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore, what should you do? Ask yourself what that word's there for. Because therefore means something has been said already that's key to what we're about to talk about. That is true here. All authority and all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth, Jesus said. Based on that, he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the way. So the the great commission is reflected in our vision statement, first by saying that we want to be a hospital to the hurting and the lost. How many of you realize there are people in our community that are lost? There are people who are sick, sin sick. 
Sin has ravaged their lives and their bodies and their spirits. They need to be saved. They need to be delivered. They can be saved and they can be delivered. It's our, our, our privilege to take the gospel, the good news to them. And so that's part of the Great Commission for us. We talked about the hospital part. People are hurting in all kinds of ways. There's broken homes, broken relationships, people who are struggling physically, financially, relationally. In all kinds of ways, people are hurting. And we have good news. There is a God who cares. Amen. And the good news is that Jesus cares enough to come in and cleanse your sin and change your life and heal your body and straighten your mess out and give you a new life. Because the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are what? And all things have become what? He will change your life. If you believe that, would you say amen? That's the gospel. But that's not all the gospel, or that's not all the Great Commission, because the next part of the Great Commission we've just read. It says, go and make disciples. That is learners or pupils. In other words, when you get saved, you don't know it all. You know you've been redeemed, and you know you're on your way to heaven, and you know you're saved, but there's a whole lot of other things that you don't know. And so the Bible says, go and make disciples of all the nations. That is baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And verse 20 says, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So we have to teach people. Do you know what? Pastor Ron, at age 63, is that right? I think. Yeah. At age 63, having spent almost 40 years now in ministry, do you know what? I'm still a disciple. I'm still a learner. I'm still a pupil. I'm still moving forward. I do not know it all. Amen? And that's, and from the time we give our lives to Jesus and, and take Him as our Lord and Savior, we will be disciples and learners for the rest of our lives. And it is a process. It is a process. You grow in grace. You become more like Jesus. Our minds are being conformed into the image of God's Son. We're, we're constantly being transformed and learning and growing and developing spiritually. And that's the, that's part of the, the Great Commission, that is not only go and preach to them so they can be saved, but then teach them, develop them, make them become disciples and grow so they'll know and do, observe to do all that the Bible says that they need to do. Boy, that's a big load, isn't it? That's a big challenge, but that's the challenge that the Lord has given to us. That's why we constantly are faithful to the word. I will not let culture tell me what I can preach in this church. I will let the word of God tell me what I can preach in this church. And if it conflicts with culture, then so be it. But I have no choice but to be faithful to the word of the Lord. And all of us are in that same boat if we're Christians. If we're going to be followers, pupils, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to have to do what the word says do. If you believe it, tell me amen. So that's the first part of our vision statement. The Great Commission, to be a hospital to the hurting and the lost, and to provide education concerning God and His Word. Now, 
There's another part, however, and I may come back and revisit that. So forgive me if I do. But uh, the next part is to love God and love people. That, of course, is what we know as the great commandment. They came to Jesus and said, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? In the law, and Jesus said, well, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's what we've been called to do. I think it's interesting that our vision statement, and it's not by accident as a church, that we need to understand we are responsible to obey the great commission, and we're responsible to obey the great commandment. And be about those two things that you, it doesn't get any bigger than those two things. That kind of encompasses it all. Now when we look at, for instance, the, the idea of coming to salvation, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling people about the goodness of God, does the Holy Spirit play a role in people coming to Christ? Well, let's put that on the table just a minute. If we can, and I'll preface this by saying we're getting ready to take a look at a video, assuming it works. Now, I say that because there has been a lot of work that's been done in our, excuse me, in our church in the last several weeks with sound and video and stuff and some new equipment. And, and may I just share with you that the Lord has been so gracious to us. We've got two new projectors and lots of new equipment, which we really haven't learned to use properly yet. But do you know what? The Lord has just given us that. I didn't say we bought that. I said the Lord has just given us that. There's a family in our church who just stepped in and did that. And we are so grateful. But uh, we're still working some of the bugs out. You know, when you get a new toy, it takes a while to learn to use it sometimes. So we're going to give this a shot. If it doesn't work, we're going to move on. Okay, let's try it. This is a, a part, portion of a video from our Bible study on this past Wednesday night. I thought it was so fitting, so appropriate. So um, I just wanted us to see it today. If we, if we could get these bright lights maybe and let's try it and see what happens. Vines eternal life. Throughout the Gospels, we read that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? Well, Scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit is an indispensable part of God, and that God is manifested in three persons. God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. This is also referred to as the Holy Trinity. According to the Gospel narrative, it was the Holy Spirit that caused Jesus to be conceived by Mary in Nazareth. It was the Holy Spirit that qualified Jesus for ministry during his baptism by John in the Jordan River. It was the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that allowed Jesus to teach with authority throughout the region of Galilee and in the temple at Jerusalem. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit that enabled Jesus to do miracles such as raising his friend Lazarus from the dead at Bethany. Now, at the Last Supper with his closest followers, he tells them, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. John 14, 15 through 16. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. 
But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 14, 25-26. This is an amazing and mysterious promise. In the upper room, Jesus declares that the same Holy Spirit that empowered his work throughout his ministry will soon be available to his apostles. The Holy Spirit would act as their helper throughout their lives and mission that comes next. Indeed, the New Testament book, The Acts of the Apostles, shows that these men became completely changed, full of confidence and courage. Next, to further illustrate his future... Isn't that a wonderful thing? Now, a few moments ago, we were singing about the Comforter. More about Jesus had the, had the lyric, Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of life to me. The Comforter has come was just a celebratory song about how that the Spirit of God now has come. We don't have to wait for him. He is here. And according to the scripture, when we surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God takes up residence in us. If it, wasn't it interesting how that he, he went through the life of Jesus from the birth of Jesus where he was conceived of the Spirit and all the way through his life the Spirit of God was upon him and anointing his life? And may I share with you today that in, in just as real a fashion, the Spirit of God wants to live in us and be with us in the same types of ways to help us accomplish what he has called us to accomplish. Now, it's one thing to, to understand that the Spirit of, of God has come. It's another thing to understand that He lives in us and is resident in us as children of the Most High God. The Bible says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which you have of God? That's an awesome promise. That's a wonderful thing to realize. And over and over and over, the Bible tells us, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the spirit of God is resident within us. I think the issue is now, how much access to us do we give the spirit of God? You see, he wants, he wants access to our, our hearts and our lives. I, I think, If I can find something here, I just lost a million dollars. There it is. That's what it says right here on this check. I'd like for you to use your imagination with me. Can you do that? Has everybody got an imagination? I'd like for you to use your imagination with me. This morning, I wrote a check for one million dollars. Here it is. Um... It's got my name on it. I signed it. But you're going to have to imagine, first of all, that I've got a million dollars in my account. Okay? So just imagine there's a million dollars in my account. And just imagine that in the pay to the order of, I put whosoever will here. Just imagine that you're handed this check and that it's a $1 million check. Let me tell you what you're not going to do with it.
and you're going to go on and forget about it. You're not going to do that with a million dollars, are you? No, you're not. You're going to take care of that million dollars. You're not going to just lay it aside, put it on your dresser at home, toss it in a drawer and forget about it. Oh, no. No, if it's a million dollars, you're going to be excited about it. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to use it. Aren't you? You're going to do something with it. You're going to benefit from that million dollars. Not just forget about it. But is that not what a lot of us do with the Holy Spirit? Now, if you study the scripture, you'll find out the Holy Spirit is the greatest power. Does so many things. Listen, according to the Bible, it is the Holy Spirit that convicted you before you became a Christian. Do you know that? You couldn't even be saved today had not the Holy Spirit come and convicted you of your sin. And then the Bible says that we're born of the Spirit. When you are born again, the Bible calls it being born of the Spirit. Jesus said you must be born again. And he goes on and talks about being born of the Spirit. Not of the flesh, but being born of the Spirit. The Bible tells us that we are sanctified by the Spirit. In other words, we're supposed to be different from the world. Amen? We, we don't get saved and do, do all the things we used to do like the world does. He cleans us up. Our habits change. Where we go and what we do changes. The way we talk changes. A lot of things change when we come to the Lord. There again, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And it's the Spirit of God who convicts us. It's the Spirit of God that separates us from the world. It's the Spirit of God that's resident in our hearts and lives. It's the Spirit of God that will fill us if we will allow Him to. You wouldn't dare take that. Well, I guess you would because we do it all the time. Don't we? One of the most precious, beautiful things in the world that could ever happen to us. And that is the God. Listen, in Genesis chapter 1, where where Jesus, where, where God was creating the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 says, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. That's the same Spirit of God that's resident in us. The Holy Spirit of God. But yet we don't acknowledge it. We don't think about it. We don't desire a lot of times to live in such a way that he will be resident in us and thrive in us. You know, because the Bible gives warnings to us that we're not supposed to grieve the Spirit of God. How could we grieve the Spirit of God? Well, we could do things that his word says don't do. We could turn a deaf ear to his leadings in our lives. When he prompts us to do something, say something, to be obedient in some way, and we just listen, we just shove it aside. We don't want anything to do with it. Then we could grieve him. Those are probably thousands of ways we can grieve him. And the Bible says we're not supposed to quench the spirit. So the spirit is in us. The spirit is resident there. And it's only by the power of the Spirit that we're going to be able to accomplish the things that the Scripture calls us to do. I just wonder today if I'm the only one in the building that can remember being in church services when the convicting power of the Holy Spirit was so strong that everybody went to their knees without even being asked. I've been there. 
I've seen it. I've knelt. But you know what? Sometimes we wonder why today we don't see that. I think it's probably because we haven't made the room in our personal lives for the Holy Spirit. He's been crowded out. In some cases, maybe he's been made to feel unwelcome. We have said no and shunned him for so long, maybe he's quit speaking to us. And I would like to suggest to you today that the sky is the limit for us as a church. And the sky is a limit for you as a Christian as far as you prospering and in the area that we're talking about today. You can lead people to Jesus. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. You can pray a prayer with somebody and lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let anybody tell you you can't. You can, you can join hands and pray a prayer with somebody and they can be healed based on your prayer and the faith that they have in the Lord Jesus. And don't let anybody tell you you can't. We've let the devil lie to us long enough and we're being robbed of what the Lord wants us to accomplish. And we just need to understand that all things are possible and all these things that the Lord has asked us to do, we can do. That is, we can do it as long as we're praying and have the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives and in our church. Amen. So it's not unreasonable. Listen, I, I refuse to accept the fact that people don't, won't, won't go to church these days. I, I hope you were here this morning to hear that song. I've asked that it be played every Sunday morning for the last several Sundays. I want to go to church. I was, I was in church, the song says, and I wandered away and this and that and the other. And now years later, I recognize what a fool I've been. I want to go back to church. I want to go back to where I can hear the word of the Lord. I want to go back to, to where the people know me and I feel accepted. I want to go back to church. I believe there are hundreds of thousands of people in Wake County that want to go back to church if they can find a church that is a hospital for the hurting and the lost and is willing to preach the word and they know that's what they're going to hear. But we've got to be willing to be that. And then we need the the atmosphere of worship and obedience. We we have we have so separated We've separated leadership from laity or the pastor from the laity or ministry from the laity. It's a designation that I despise. It's not supposed to be that way. All of us are supposed to be ministers for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be soul winners. We're supposed to pray for people. We're supposed to lead people to the Lord. It's not all left up to the pastor or the deacons. All of us are to be about the father's business. As a matter of fact, and I'm way off the notes, but that's okay. In the book of Acts, when persecution came upon the church, do you remember who it was that went preaching the word everywhere? It was the church. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem when the persecution came and the church fled. And that was the way the Lord had of spreading the gospel and and having his word, his word preached in different places throughout the world. It's amazing. He, the Bible says he allowed this persecution to come so that the church who had been huddled together, a little holy huddle, now they had to run. And as they went, the Bible says, and they, the church, not the apostles, the church, they went everywhere preaching the word. And as they did, people were getting saved all over the place. Folks, all we got to do is open our mouths. Well, wait a minute. First of all, we got to live right. 
We're Christians. We've got to live right. We've got to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? Well, prayer is a big way. Because if you don't ever talk to Jesus, you're probably not going to be able to hear him when he speaks. Amen? Fellowship. That is, we, we have this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in prayer. We're into his word. We're not filling our minds, as they said today, with just a bunch of junk that's going to contaminate our thinking and our minds. Yes, it is true. Garbage in, garbage out. We have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our minds. We have to be the people of God that he's called us to be. But when God's people... Get right with God and get filled with the Spirit. You couldn't stop that church. There's nothing that could stop that church. I believe that. You tell me what is what is there that could stop a church like that? I mean, when people are sold out to the Lord, committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, filled with the Spirit, being obedient to the Word, and going to do what He's called us to do, who could stop us? devil couldn't stop us. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So what he's waiting for us to do is to to understand where our power comes from. How we can be successful. Because I'm going to tell you, it is not an accident, folks. It is not an accident that in the Bible, in Luke chapter 24, I'm going to read to you another account of the Great Commission. In quite different words, in Luke's account, it's worded this way. Luke 24, beginning at verse 46. Jesus said, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And, here's the Great Commission, that repentance... And remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Now I want you to note now we have read the Great Commission in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Luke's account, verse 49 says, listen to this. We've been told to go and preach the gospel. We've been called to go and make disciples. We've been called to go and teach them all the things that the Lord has said. And in verse 49, it says, behold, I send the promise of the father upon you. That's the spirit of the Lord we're talking about. I'm sending the promise of the father. But then he says, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I hope you got that. It's go, 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 go do all these things, but don't go yet. Go and wait, tarry and wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Then I'm going to turn over to John, excuse me, Acts. Acts chapter 1, and this too is written by Luke. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, with the disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, don't lose this. I want you to go. I want you to go. I want you to go. But I want you to wait. He wants us to go, but he says, you're not ready yet. You're not prepared yet. You won't be successful yet. 
And then he says in verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria to the end of the earth. I want to tell you, according to the word of God, we have this power available to us today. But what we do with it largely is like this million dollar check. Instead of utilizing it, instead of cashing in on it, instead of taking advantage on it, we just stuff it in our pocket and we go on in this business as usual. If we're Bible believers, I don't see any other conclusion we can come to. Is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? Does God still have the power that he's always had? Is God true to his word? Can we count on his promises? Does it mean what it says? Then it tells us to go. I read it to you a few moments ago. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Listen, we don't serve a dead. He's not even sick. God, he's He's just as powerful and as well as he's ever been. He's just waiting on his people to get real with him, to get sincere, to be filled with the spirit, not just struggling and barely getting by. Now, being filled with the Spirit involves a lot of different things. We talked about that being relative to the Great Commission, but what about the Great Commandment? Did you know it's impossible for you to love your neighbor as yourself until you got the Lord Jesus in your heart? You're filled with hate and contempt and aggravation. You, you can't love people if you don't know the Lord. I've told this story before in the in the very first church I pastored almost 40 years ago. And the, it may have been the first Sunday, first or second Sunday. It's really quick after I got there. We had an invitation and this young man came and he knelt at the altar and he gave his life to the Lord. Turns out he was a son of one of the families in the church there who hadn't been to church in some time. He gave his life to the Lord that day. When he got up, I said, Keith, do you have anything you'd like to say? And he had tears in his eyes. Of course, he had been praying and he had committed his life to the Lord. And he said, I just love everybody. And I thought, what a testimony. He got up loving everybody. That's the way it is when you're a Christian. You love everybody, right? And you can't do that without the Spirit. And so the Bible says the, the great commandment is that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we've surrendered to Him. We don't have distance between us. We love Him. We're in fellowship. We talk with Him. We pray. And as we pray, we're close. We hear His voice. We have this working relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. And the next thing you know is things began to happen that never had happened before. It's because we're walking with the Lord and we're hearing his voice and, and we're obeying his commandments. But you can't even love people. You can't love people without God's help. And that's why it's so sad. I guess in every church I've ever served, just four of them, but in, in all of them and every church I've ever been to, I guess, there are stories of people in the church that want him to speak to one another or it is known that they despise one another. Now, how is God going to bless that mess? When they can't speak, they don't like one another. There's, there's contempt almost. 
And I've told you some of the stories I've seen. How is God going to bless that? He's not going to bless that. He's waiting for humility. He's waiting for repentance. He's waiting for people to get their hearts right. But when people get their hearts right, the windows of heaven are going to open. And there's no telling what will take place when we begin to maintain fellowship with God and be obedient to his word. So it is very true, folks. The reason we exist here is to be a hospital to the hurting and the lost and to provide education concerning God and his word and to love God and to love people. And this may be the most important part and to accomplish this through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd like our musicians to come. We're going to, we're going to close with a hymn today. And this hymn is also a prayer. And it says, search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior. Take a good look at who I am. Take a good look at me, Lord, and know my thoughts, I pray. See, Lord. Remember now, this is a prayer. Lord, see if there be some wicked way in me. And cleanse me, Lord, from every sin and set me free. Does that sound like a valid prayer? And then the next verse says, Oh, Holy Ghost, revival comes from you. Send a revival, Lord. Start the work in me. Thy word declares thou wilt supply our need. Four blessings now, O oh Lord, I humbly plead. As we begin to sing the song, keeping in mind that it is a prayer. And at the close of that prayer, Brother Chris is coming to receive our prayer request. So this is not trickery or anything. It's just letting you know what we're doing. As we pray this prayer by singing this song, I would invite you to come join us at the altar. And then we'll be here to pray for requests before we leave. Would you join me? unable to come, we understand that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
says if we will draw near to the Lord he will what yes the Bible says if we will draw near to the Lord he will what draw near to us just taking that statement at face value I have to believe and understand that we're as close to God as we want to be does that make sense because if we wanted to be closer what would we do we would draw near And then he would draw near to us. Let's pray together. Lord, we have this insatiable desire in our hearts and lives to be the people of God that you've called us to be. We are thankful for salvation. We're thankful for the word of God. We're thankful for your blessings. But Lord, we know that in many ways, as a church, and even me as an individual, Lord, I fall short of the the results, the fulfilling of what you've called me to be and to do. I pray, Lord, that you would help us. We confess our need for you. This challenge that we've been given from the Word of God to... To go into all the world and preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe. If there's ever been a mission field anywhere on earth, we're living in one now. Right here in the good U.S. US of A. Lord, there's, there's so much about our culture now that is not right, not pleasing in your sight. And we need to share the gospel and we need to share it with love. Lord, we need to to be the examples that you've called us to be. We need to be salt and we need to be light. We need to open our mouths and be unashamed of you. Lord, not necessarily being preachy everywhere we go, but listening and watching for your spirit as you speak to us and and present to us an open door to share the gospel or to pray for somebody or to minister to their needs. Lord, just just to be willing to listen to encourage their hearts, to point them in the right direction. Oh, Lord, help us to never be ashamed of you or your name. Help us, Lord, to stand strong. Oh, Lord, help us to be eager to fulfill your word, to be true to the vision statement, which more importantly is the word of God. Lord, it's everything there is based on what we've shared this morning from your word. So help us. Help us to understand we're here for a reason. You want to use us. We are ambassadors of Christ. 
So says the New Testament. We're called, Lord, to make a difference in this world for you. So we pray that you would help us. Help us to be separated from the world. Lord, if there are things that our eyes are seeing, Lord, help us forsake those things, repent, and turn from them. If there are things that our ears are hearing and we're putting in our minds every day, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to recognize how spiritually unhealthy those things are. Help us turn from those things and run quickly to you and the grace and mercy and forgiveness that you offer. And Lord, be cleansed once again. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have a vision of of who we can become as children of God. We can make a difference. Lord, help us to quit making excuses and say, I can't do anything for the Lord. Oh, you have said we can do something for you. There's a job for us. We fit in the body of Christ somewhere doing something beneficial, Lord, to the whole. So I pray that you would help us today. Oh, Lord, help us to to yearn for more of you. Help us to draw near unto you. Help us to be the Christians you've called us to be and bear fruit through the efforts of this church. Lord, may there be empty seats in hell because the people in this church got busy for you sharing the gospel with other people and bringing people to the house of God. Have your way, we pray. We thank you for what you're doing. Oh, Lord, it's an awesome thing that we're witnessing before our very eyes. And we pray that you continue to work and move in our lives. How we love you today. You're an awesome God. And we bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. Draw me nearer. Nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross. Nearer, nearer, blessed Lord.